right, good morning, good morning. How are you? So good to see you. Good to be with you guys. I love singing with you, being with you. Uh, I miss when I'm gone, but I just wanna tell you, uh, I'm grateful for Pastor Daniel's message last week. My goodness, so, so good. Like four of you really enjoyed it, I'd be so glad. Like there was a golf clap. All right, I thought it was much better than that. I thought it was fantastic, come on. <laughs> so good to be with you. Hey, I wanna remind you of a couple of things. One, uh, that we have prayer meetings every week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And uh, we're gonna keep praying for what's going on in Ukraine. And we'll be doing that all week long, 7.30 in the morning, at 12 noon, four days, Monday through Thursday, eight prayer meetings a week. So if your heart is coming alive with prayer like it is for me, uh, come be a part of one of those prayer meetings, all right? And I'd love to see you there. I'd lead the one at Tuesday at noon, and it's the best one. So come be a part of that. <laughs> we talk about humility a lot in there, so it's really good. <laughs> and I feel like I'm catching it. I feel, I feel like it's sticking to me this morning. <laughs> so also, in two weeks, uh, we, as you know, at the beginning of the year, we, we really felt, we sensed that God was asking us to stretch our faith a bit. And I can't tell you how nervous it makes me say, when I say we're going to pay off nine and a half million dollars in a year, that I believe the Lord told me to, to, to stretch my faith, to put that in front of you and to believe God for a miracle. So not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that on April the 10th, I'm asking you to pray. That's all really I'm asking you to do is pray because you're a praying church. And not only are you a praying church, you're a generous church. So I trust and believe that all of us together in two weeks, we're going to do something together that's going to change the life of our church. We're gonna make history at New Life Church. We're going to be debt free at New Life North. I speak that over our church. I speak it for over our body, over our city. And let me tell you why that's important. Uh, if when we are debt free, that will release a million dollars a year. That's what we're paying right now in mortgage notes, a million dollars a year just to pay off the loan. And think about what we can do right now for the refugees fleeing uh, Ukraine if we had an extra million dollars. Think about what we can do at Mary's home and in our medical clinics and ministries around the city with an extra million dollars. So I don't wanna send it to the bank anymore. I wanna send it to the city. And that's why in two weeks I'm asking you to pray with me and do something with me. So Pam and I, even last night, Pam and I talked about it, we're praying about it, and we wanna do something that's gonna stretch us. We, Pam and I are in our, you know, Pam is 20 years younger than me, but I'm, I'm in my mid-50s, and everybody says that because she looks 20 years younger than me, but we're the same age. And we, we said, you know, when we get into our 50s and in our 60s, we wanna be as radical as we were in our 20s and our 30s. I don't wanna get so comfortable in my faith that we lose that sense of faith and do something great for God. So that's gonna happen on April the 10th. Would you pray with me about that? Would you just join with me in praying and asking the Lord how to participate? Okay, go, go with me now to Mark chapter eight. Mark chapter eight is a fantastic story. I, I love the stories of God taking a little and creating a lot. And this is in Mark chapter eight. There's a story in Mark chapter six of Jesus feeding thousands of people. And then it happens again here in Mark, Mark chapter eight. And so we've been talking about who is Jesus? What are the characteristics, the traits of Jesus that are unchangeable, immutable, that will never change for all of history? And one of the attributes of Jesus that you see over and over and over again is that Jesus is generous. 
And there was a reason why Jesus chose generosity as a trait. So let me show you this story in Mark chapter eight. We're gonna read verses one through nine, then we're gonna pray together, and we're gonna dive into this beautiful story, one of my favorite stories in all of the gospels. So Mark chapter eight, verse one, during those days, another large crowd gathered. And since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him, and he says, I have compassion for these people. They're hungry. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Now think about this just for a moment. These people have been following Jesus around and I've been out in the, in the Judean hillside. It's, it, it's very dry, it's hot, it's not, it's not lush necessarily. For three days, they have followed Jesus without food. But a resurrection story is about to happen after the third day. Now just think how many times Jesus told these stories for a reason. So he said, if I send them away home hungry, <clears throat> they'll collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. Well, his disciples says, hey, there are no Chick-fil-A's here. Have you noticed, Jesus, the drive-thrus are closed? He says, where in this remote place can anyone get a decent burger? We can't find anything out here, no bread, there's nothing. And then Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? I want you to stop here just for a moment. Jesus did not ask him, which one of you have enough to feed the crowd? I want you to catch this, okay? He didn't look at him and says, are there any wealthy people in the crowd that have enough to feed this large crowd? He didn't ask them that. He says, what do you have? We're gonna get back to that in just a moment. And Jesus asked, and they said, seven, seven loaves. Now, I, I, you ever been to Olive Garden? One of my, I, I don't really like a lot of things about Olive Garden, but that little foil packet of bread, come on, somebody say amen. That, that is some of the best stuff on the planet. I, the rest of their food's very average, but when that little foil of bread, oh, they're about that long and it's just, it's like manna from heaven. It's amazing. I think that's what happened here. I think someone had been to Olive Garden and was hiding the bread. So he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people and they did it. And they also had a few small fish as well. And he gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. And listen to this, the people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls. Now, when we talk about baskets, I'm not talking about the little basket that you have on your dining table. These baskets were probably about waist high and they were about this big around. This is how much leftover was left over from this, this story. Seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over and listen to this, about 4,000 people, or in some translations it says men, 4,000 men were present, which means there's probably about 12 or 14,000 people that were there. This is a fascinating story. Uh, seven little loaves of bread, a few fish, feeds 10 to 15,000 people. This is, this is a story when we, we hear this in Sunday school and we say, did this really happen? Yes, this really happened. This is not a parable. It's not an example. It's not an allegory. It's a real story of Jesus being present with his people and realizing that something was wrong, 
there was something missing and he stopped and met a need. Here's the first thing I want you to see in this story. He says that Jesus is compassionate. Jesus saw them, look in verse two, it says, I have compassion for these people. Jesus saw their practical needs. And one of, the, one of the great lies right now that's being told in our culture is that God is out there doing big work, good work, holy work, but he's not that concerned about the day-to-day -day operations of your life. And I'm just here to tell you that Jesus says something here that's important for us to catch. He says, they've already been with me three days. Now you notice that Jesus is good at counting. Jesus was aware of what was going on with his people down to the hours that they had been with him. They have been with me for three days and I've noticed that they've not eaten. Listen, some of you walked in this morning and you're sitting in a big room, lots of people in the room, and the enemy comes to you and says, I wonder if God really knows what's going on with you. I wonder if God understands the stress that you're under. I wonder if God really knows what's happening in your apartment, in your condominium, wherever you're living, in your house, in your car if you're living there. Because there's sometimes people walk in here and we assume that everybody's doing okay. And God knows when you have a need. So years ago, Pam and I began to ask this question about ourselves, what's our motivation for giving? Because there's a lot of bad teaching. Let me just, let me just be honest. A lot of my pastor friends are spewing out some stuff about giving that I think is not biblical. And for example, I remember when I was a young man, I was told that if I gave, I'd be rich. I can't find that anywhere in the Bible, by the way. Even in this story, it says they ate and were content. It wasn't they ate and became wealthy. Listen, God's not guaranteed any of us wealth. He has guaranteed our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And so Pam and I began to hear all this teaching that was coming about giving, and, it's, and, it, and we said, what is our motivation? Yes, giving is for worship, we know that. We say that a lot here. It's an act of our worship. Taking what God has put into our hands and giving it back to him is an act of worship. Yes, it is obedience. There, there's something fundamentally true about that, that I'm obeying what God has said to me, that my money doesn't belong to me, that I'm obeying the commands of scripture by giving. All of that is true. But the one thing that most people don't talk about when they talk about giving is that giving is an act of compassion. Listen, you know why I wanna give more? Because there are about 800 single moms in our city who slept in their cars last night. Do you know that? I have about 20 of them right now at Mary's home. We've been able to take 20 families and their children in an apartment complex that we own, debt-free. But I'm also very aware that there are 800 women that we know of that slept in their car last night. And it's gonna get cold. And I, some nights, there's there many nights when I wake up and I hear the howling winds outside, and I see the snow falling. And I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm just trying to tell you how I live. And I, say to the, I get up and I say to the Lord, Father in heaven, when you provide extra dollars, I'm going to buy more apartment complexes. I'm gonna buy them, we're gonna pay cash for them. Listen, I actually, I actually had someone ask me, you know, where you see the property that's being developed out here. Someone asked me, he said, that's, that looks like the church is being greedy. I said, are you kidding me? Every dime of that's going to ministry. Every penny of that's going to reach more people, to help more people. 
What is the motivation for us giving? I love people. Jesus loves people. The Father in the heaven loves people. And that's why we give. This is why we give. This, this is the motivation. It's an act of obedience. It's an act of worship. And it's an act of compassion. And notice that Jesus saw them. He saw the practical needs of their lives. And that's why he chose to give. So here's the second thing is Jesus uses what we have. I love this. He says, how many loaves do you have in verse five? How many loaves do you have? What do you have in your hand right now? Let me ask you a question. Are you waiting to be wealthy before you give? Because God's not waiting for us to be wealthy and then become givers. God's wanting to know, are you willing to take what's in your hand right now? I think I've told you this story before when Pam and I first started, when we first got married, uh, I made $14,000 a year. Pam was still a full-time student and she had a little part-time job, but her part-time job basically paid for the gas to go to the job and paid for a few things. So Pam and I were living on $14,000 a year. That was my first job out of college. And I thought, I went to four years of college for make $14,000 a year. Now you do the math, that's about $1,000 a month. I'm married, we have two vehicles, we're living in a tiny apartment complex, $14,000 a year. And I remember at that same time, the, the church that we were attending was building a brand new sanctuary because the one we had, we were totally outgrown it and we couldn't, we couldn't reach more people. And our pastor, who was almost, almost 70 years old at the time, stood and said the Lord had spoken to him to build a new building so we could reach more people. And he asked us to do exactly what I'm asking you to do in two weeks, <clears throat> to give something over and above. And Pam and I looked at our money and it's like, good grief. I mean, we had about 50 bucks a week left over. 50 bucks, and that's after we bought groceries and everything, so $50, we had uh, cash left over. And I remember the first time he asked us to give an offering, we gave a few hundred dollars. And it was extravagant faith on our part to give a few hundred dollars, it's all we had. But we prayed, and we did it. And that started in us, a seed was birthed inside of us. And here's what the Lord said, he wants to trust him with what's in our hands right now. I remember the Lord coming to me and said, Brady, can I trust you with the little right now? If, if I can trust you with the little, there will come a day where I'll give you more. And, but the, the, the test of our heart is not to give large amounts. The test of our heart is to give what the Lord tells us to give and to take what is in our hands and to trust the Lord for it. So listen to this, seven loaves, for 4,000 men, I wonder if anybody said to Jesus, hey Jesus, there are about 10,000 people here. Your little bag of Olive Garden bread is barely gonna feed us. In fact, we're gonna probably eat some of it before we hand it out, because we're hungry too. Seven loaves for 4,000 men to eat seem ridiculous. In other words, how can so little help such a large need. This is the, the lie that the enemy comes to all of us and says, Pastor Brady, I would love to do a lot, but I don't have it. Let me tell you a funny story. Uh, years and years and years ago at another church where I served, we had a, a special offering for a brand new building that we were building and we really needed this building. And the building was gonna cost about $12 million to build, which, okay, that was a lot of money. We were, we were a small church and we were trying to raise $12 million. And so we, we get, this is such a funny story. So we, we, we took up a special offering 
And sure enough, in the offering was a check from a sweet lady in our church for $12 million. And it had a note attached to it though. We were all excited to see the check until we read the note. She said, hang on to this because the Lord spoke to me that I'm going to win the lottery. <laughs> so we held on to it. Sure enough, her numbers did not come in. <laughs> See, the point is, that's, that's misguided faith, right? That's, mis, that's putting your faith in the wrong things. So I probably, listen, if some of you win the lottery, God bless you. I hope you double tithe off of it, okay? <laughs> but don't assume, just listen, this is what we were, we were talking about. Don't assume that God's gonna give you something. Use what's in your hand. Use what you have. And oftentimes we miss out on the blessings of giving because we think our giving does not matter. We think our, our, the little bit that we have won't go very far. We think it, we're, and we miss out on what God wants to do in our heart. Listen, what, in two weeks, you know what the miracle's going to be? The miracle's not going to be in the amount of money. That's, that's not the miracle that I'm after. The miracle that God's after in two weeks is what happens in our hearts as we trust him. That is the miracle. I, I can't even remember how much money Pam and I have given all these special offerings over the years. I, I have lost, I don't even know, I forget. But I remember what God did in my heart every single time. And I remember the miracle of him gaining ground in my heart. That is the miracle we're after. And by the way, conditions are never perfect for us to be generous. It's never perfect, never. There's always something else crying for our attention, but it takes faith to give up control when we give. All right, here's the third thing I want you to see in this story is Jesus is actually waiting for us to participate. Look in verse six, he says he broke them, and listen to this, he gave them to his disciples to distribute. Now why couldn't Jesus take it himself? Why couldn't Jesus break the bread and just walk around and give the, this, this, these things to the disciples himself? Because he was wanting them to participate. See, the loaves had to be given to Jesus. And Jesus took them, blessed them, and gave it back to them. And he was waiting to see if they would be willing to participate. New Life Church, are you willing to take what Jesus gives you and get in the game? Are you willing to participate in what God's doing? Here, here's, as a believer, we only really have one assignment as believers. And I've told you this for years and years and years. We really only have one thing that God's asked us to do. And that is pay attention and obey him. Listen to him and obey him. When God speaks, he's looking for people who will act, who will get involved, who will participate who will do what he's called them to do, who will listen to his voice and respond. And the Bible is full of these stories. Moses did not feel he was ready to lead millions of refugees, but he was wrong. I love that story of Moses. Moses goes, I can't speak. I don't know how to lead. I don't know what to do. He said, but Moses, are you willing to go back to Egypt? Moses, are you willing to go back? Are you willing to say yes? Will you just listen to me and obey me? Will you participate with what I'm doing? And Moses steps out. I love the story of David. David had never really been in a real battle. He'd never fought other men, but he ran toward Goliath. This is an epic story of David going, who is going to go out and challenge that Philistine? And the Lord says, David, you go. David, go. 
And the fact that he ran toward the battle changed the whole history of Israel because a young teenage boy was willing to say yes. I love that Peter had never walked out on stormy waters. But one day he stepped out of the boat. New Life Church, this is some of this may be very new to some of you. You're asking me to do something radical. You're asking me to do something uncomfortable. You're asking me to step into a place where I've never done. This is actually the essence of the gospel. The Holy Spirit from this day forward, the moment you start trying to follow Jesus, your life is gonna be marked by days and weeks and years where the Lord asks you to do things that you've never done before. This is the truth. Listen, I'm just telling you, this is a radical life of following Jesus. From this day forward, the moment you decide to follow Jesus, your life will be marked by episode after episode, story after story of God asking you to do things you've never done before. Pam and I, well, I think I've told you this story, but it's been a long time, but years and years ago, I had a really good job at another church. I mean, a really good church. The church was growing really fast. And I had a really great job. I had all of the benefits and none of the responsibilities. It was a great job. <laughs> and the, the Lord came to us one day, told me and Pam together, you're leaving Gateway Church and I'm gonna send you, and here's what the Lord said, I'm gonna send you out west. I'm gonna send you to a church. I didn't know where, I didn't know how. And I remember the, going to the elders of Gateway and saying, listen, hey guys, I love you. I could see myself working here for the rest of my life, not going anywhere else, but there's something in my heart, the Lord has spoken to me, that I'm leaving Gateway Church and I'm going out west to be a senior pastor. And then it became clear that I was supposed to come here. Listen, I know what it feels like to step out of the boat. I came here with no friends. I came here, the first time I met you, I was preaching to you. The first time I introduced myself to you was on the stage. I know, what, I know how scary it is, but listen, the greatest stories of my life were stories where I said yes to the unknown. And this is what Jesus was saying. He says, Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to do something. And listen, only a handful of people ever say yes to these things. But will you be a part of the radical few? Will you be a part of, of, the, of the move of God on the planet right now? Will you be a part of the people who will say yes to the radical yes? Will you follow Jesus even when you don't know what the next step looks like? That's the kind of life I wanna live. That's what I plan to live until the Lord calls me home. I wanna be a man who will take a step into the unknown. I don't, know, have to, I don't have to know all the answers. I don't have to see all the future. I just know that God's there with me. God has been faithful to us in the past. God has been faithful to us today and there is no reason for us to believe that God will not be faithful tomorrow. Let me tell you one more thing. This is the last thing in this story. Here's the last thing in this story. Jesus takes what we give and he multiplies it. Look at verse eight. He says the people ate and were satisfied. Now stop here just for a moment. That's actually the promise of the Lord for you today. The Lord wants to give you what you need and he wants you to be satisfied. You know what the, another word for satisfied is? Content. He said, Jesus wanted to know, is what I've given you, are you content with what I've blessed you with? Now, can we just stop just for a moment? New Life Church, we are a very blessed people. Can, can we take 15 seconds right now and just thank the Lord for all that he's provided in your life?
in my life, in the life of our church. I want you to think about the abundant blessings of God. Let me ask you a question. As you think about the abundant blessings of God, are you satisfied? Are you content? And listen, godliness without contentment is, godliness with contentment is great gain. The best life I know to live is a life of godliness, a life of gratitude, a life of being thankful for all that he's given me. And the people ate and were satisfied. My prayer over New Life Church is that you would eat what God has given you and you would be satisfied all the days of your life. And that when you are old and gray and your time has come to stand before the Lord, I pray that your last thought on this earth would be, God has been present with me every day of my life. He's always given me what I needed and I am satisfied with the life that God has given me. Let me tell you how great that would be to get to the end of our lives and know that we have eaten and we've been satisfied. That's one of the most powerful parts of this story. The people ate. God wants to give you what you need. He just wants to know, will you be satisfied with what I've given you? And this, this discontentment in our culture, always telling me that I need something new, I need something more, that I have a right to more things. God says, no, I am your source. I will provide for you. Will you be satisfied? And afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls. So stop, you know, the, I love the, the way these, these, these uh, numbers work out. How many loaves of bread did he give out? Seven. Seven in the Bible is the number of perfection. It was a perfect amount. How many basketfuls were left over? Seven. Seven basketfuls. And this is what Jesus was yelling at the people. You think that you're living in a world where I can't provide. I'm telling you, I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I was and is and will be. When you put your hope and your trust in me, when you give the little that is in your hands, he was yelling at the world, there will always be enough. I know that about New Life Church. As long as Jesus is the center of our church. I want you to notice the songs that we sang. I want you to notice the prayers that we've prayed today. I want you to notice the sermon I'm preaching today. I don't care if you remember who preached it, I just want you to remember who was preached about. I want you to remember the story of Jesus, not the person who told you the story. I want you to remember the words of the song, not the person who sang them. I want Jesus to be at the center of everything we do. And I know this for certain, if Jesus remains the center of our church, the center of our hope, the center of our worship, the center of our affection, we will always eat and be satisfied. We will always have enough. That is the promise of following Jesus. Listen, God doesn't bless what we own. He blesses what we've given him. And I know you work hard. I work hard. You've worked hard for what you have. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. Nothing wrong with saying, Pastor Brady, I feel like I wake up every morning, I go to my job, the business that I've started, and I've worked hard, I've put in the time, I've, I've been a man and woman of integrity, and I put in more hours, I work hard, I, I don't mind the hustle, I don't mind the grind. That's true. But who gave you those opportunities? Who blessed that work? It is God's blessing on your hard work that brought the fruit that you're uh, enjoying right now. It is God's blessing on your life that you had health and strength to work that hard. 
It's God's blessing on your life. When, when a deal could have gone sour, it didn't go sour. It began to benefit you, it began to bless you. Where does that come from? It comes from the Lord. It's his blessing on our life. And when he owns it, he blesses it. There's not one thing, listen, New Life Church, I'm 55 now, I've been working hard all my life. I've been working since I was 15 years old. I've had a job for 40 years. I started working at 15 at Dixie Dandy in Arcadia, Louisiana. I started paying taxes 40 years ago, you're welcome. <laughs> I know what it means to work hard. My mom and dad are the two hardest working people I've ever seen in my life. My mom is 75 years old today. She still uses a chainsaw and drives a pickup truck. She mows her yard and all of her neighbor's yards because they're old, she says. <laughs> I love that. She tells me that all the time. I said, mom, you're, how many yards are you mowing? And I'm not I'm mowing, weed eating, raking, all of it. She has a lawn business and they don't pay her anything. Sometimes they'll buy her, buy her some gas. I said, mom, how many yards are you taking care of? Well, I don't know, four or five in your own neighborhood. I said, mom, why are you doing that? She said, well, they're, they're just old people. They need help. <laughs> She's 75. <laughs> it's a good story. Why am I telling you that? Because listen, when you, when you discover the blessings of God on your life, you know what you want to do? You want to give it away. When you, if you really believe that God has been the one that's blessed your life, if you really believe that with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind, then you will instinctively, without hesitation, without regret, you will give it away. If God is your source, that source does not run dry. And see, some of you have a fear that the source is gonna run dry, that the economy is gonna turn, that things are gonna get bad. Let me tell you something, I long, long, long time ago, Pam and I decided that our source was Christ alone. And that well never runs dry. He knows how to provide. Listen, Jesus knows how to provide in good economies and Jesus knows how to provide in bad economies. And all of you with a little gray hair on your head right now, you've been through bad economies. And it might get bad. We may have another stretch where the economy's terrible. I have, this is not my first rodeo though. I, this is four or five times in my adult life that stock market has tanked and everybody thought the world was coming to an end. And I looked up at the end of that season and I always had enough. I was, eat, I was eating and I was satisfied. And when you eat from the work of Jesus, you'll always have enough. You'll always be satisfied. Let me read this scripture to you and then we're gonna to come to the table of the Lord. This is Paul writing. And Paul had been shipwrecked, he had been beaten, he had been persecuted, he had lost friends, he lost his retirement account, he lost money. And this, and Ephesians is one of his last works. He's an old man when he's writing this. And I want every old man and every old woman in the church to say this about Jesus at the end of their life. I wanna be able to say, when I look back over my shoulder and look at the 70 or 80 years of life, I wanna say these words about God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, 
according to his power that it's worked within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. If you believe that, would you say really loud, amen. Stand with me this morning. You stand up and just thank the Lord for his faithfulness. Can we just turn our hands toward heaven? And right now, I want you to thank him for the people in your life that love you and know you. Listen, every one of you, you have people that know you, people that are concerned about you, people that pray for you. Almost everyone in this room, have, we all have close friends and those are a gift from the Lord. Can we just say thank you? And I want you to think about how many times in your past you have seen the faithfulness of God. It was God. And there's no other explanation. I want you to think about those times when there was no other explanation for what just happened in your life except that God blessed you. God provided for you. I'm just so thankful. Aren't you thankful today? Father, this is the house of gratitude. We are a church of gratitude and we're so thankful. In fact, your word says that we can't even come into your presence unless we first come with gratitude and thankfulness. So Lord, today we thank you that you have provided for us, that we have eaten. <clears throat> and Lord, we say to you, we're satisfied. Can you say that with me? I just think that's a beautiful confession today before we come. We're about to come and take a meal, bread in the cup, a meal that Jesus gave us. But before we take that meal today, can we thank him for all the meals of the past? The Father you have provided. Say it with him, Father you have provided. Father we have eaten. And Father we are satisfied. Come on one more time. Father you have provided. Father we have eaten. Father, today we are satisfied. Come on, let's sing this together as a prayer. Let's turn our hearts toward Jesus and in just a moment, we're gonna to come to the table of the Lord.
this moment in our service where we're reminded Jesus gives us a, a, a sacramental reminder that he is the source this is our reminder every time we get to break this bread and we get to take this cup we're reminded that Jesus is generous he's a God who gives and he gives everything, everything so that we would be a satisfied people. And so on the night that our beloved Savior was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. If you can, you can break that little, little wafer. And he looked at his followers and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you, broken for you so that in your weaknesses, you can find my strength so that in your little you can see my sufficiency so that in your your frustration you might find contentment every time you do this do this in remembrance of me brothers and sisters these are the gifts of God given for the people of God let's take the bread together and likewise he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant poured out in my blood. Every time you do this, remember that I'm a well that does not run dry. Every time you take this, remember that I satisfy always. Brothers and sisters, let's take the cup together. And we sing this third verse as a response. through death as 
to shout a praise. He is worthy, amen. Hey, a couple things before I bless you. As a reminder, today is Surf Sunday. If you have been um, wanting to hop in, get involved, participate here at New Life Church, this is an incredible Sunday to get to see all of the opportunity that is out there in the lobby. So we wanna invite you, come surf, come participate in Jesus loving of the world, okay? I wanna go ahead and invite our uh, altar ministry team to go ahead and come down for prayer. Also, we have section uh, community parties today for sections 11, uh, eight and nine. And then also, last announcement, if it is your very first time with us here today, we would absolutely love to meet you in Connect Central directly after the service. Could you open your hands with me as I bless you, brothers and sisters, New Life Church, may you know that you were made to depend on Jesus, that he is generous to you every single day. And as you go from this place, may he bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he lift his bright, smiling countenance towards you and grant you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Please go. God's grace, mercy, peace be with you.